Hey guys, this is John from Swarmcast Podcast. I'm here at um, Origins 2019, and it is Saturday. Last night was the uh, Midnight Massacre for Ninth Level Games Cobalt's Ate My Baby uh, game, and I was a mayor or GM for those of you who understand it a little bit better. So my voice is a little bit crackly, but we are going to be talking with... <laughs> so of course today I'm going to be talking with a few people from some other games. Oh, and I just watched Chris O'Neill from Ninth Level Games just walk by in a bright pink shirt. I might have to get him on the mic at some point, too. The Swarmcast podcast is recorded, mixed, and produced on the poop deck of Gravy Jones Locker in the heart of Columbia, South Carolina. On the show, we talk about the gaming hobby and random fandom. Opinions on this show are... Recorded live at Origins 2019. I'm Toast, your the announcer. And now, prepare to delve into the mind of your host, John Minas. So hey guys, uh, Swarmcast Podcast here, John at Origins 2019. Um, I'm actually here today with probably one of our one of our favorite, one of our, our many, but but yet probably our favorite by far uh, sponsor that Aww. helps support a <laughs> Scarab Gaming Convention, uh, Kurt Covert with Smirk and Dagger, Smirk and Laughter Games. Ugh, having to add extra. <laughs> I know. Yeah, sorry about that, John. <laughs> But thanks well, for having me. Yeah, yeah. So how's how has Origins been going for you so far? So it's been going great. Um, we've been seeing a lot of people at the booth. Um, the 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 traffic. It's it's interesting. Lots of people in the booth doing demos, but it's kind of open air walking through the halls. You don't feel like as compressed as like Gen Con, but um, but it's been a great show. I've uh, been doing a bunch of sales and showcasing a lot of our new stuff. Okay. So what what games? Uh, what of your games that you've brought it seemed to have been doing? Doing really well. Uh, honestly, uh, all all the new ones uh, have really have really popped. Um, okay. So, we we launched here at the show uh, two. Um, one is a party game called We Need to Talk, and it's a <laughs> game about uh, hosting ridiculous interventions of nonsensical problems. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So all of your friends and family have gathered. And um, there's a problem, and it's you. You just don't know it. <laughs> and so you draw a card off the top of the deck, and you show it to everyone, but you don't see it. Uh-huh. And it lists some kind of crazy problem, like we'll, we'll only eat cylindrical foods, or uh, you know, uh, neurotic inability to turn right. You know, something just crazy and silly. And um, so then you go through three rounds of different types of clue giving. Um, where you're trying to guess what your problem is based on these very oblique clues that your friends are giving you. Because they don't want to be the one to give it away because they're going to lose their points. They want someone to guess, they want you to guess on someone else's turn. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's just a, a fun game. You know, there's a little bit of role playing to it as you, as, as you act out like what it would be like to actually have a friend with this terrible problem. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, just ridiculous problems, really. So. Uh, and that's the other thing that's nice about it. There is no, um, it's not like Cards Against Humanity. There's no off-color humor in it. Um, you can play with any audience. Okay. Um, and um, 
it's 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 just it's just a blast. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. I I'm looking forward to, to trying that game out myself. Yeah. So um, there was a few. There was at least one other game that I seen people uh, just kind of flocking over there to, to play mm. where they're pushing little rocks around or something that's like that. right yeah that's our that's our game show boo which also launched here well it's it's like a soft launch we only have like a hundred copies that we flew in right um, but it is a, it's a beautiful game it's an abstract strategy with river rock and wood boards and this cotton rope in the center dividing the two sides of, uh, <laughs> of the play field um, there are four boards and you play on all four boards at the same time. So you have 16 stones, four, uh, four on each board, and I've got four on each board of a different color. And the object is just to um, shove those stones off of the edges of one of those boards so that all your opponent's stones are off of one out of the four boards. But what's cool <laughs> about it is that on your turn, you're not taking one move, you're taking two moves. The first is kind of a passive or a setup move, and you can't shove any stones with that move. But then you take a mirror move of that, an exact duplicate. So if I went one diagonal to the right, I'd have to go one diagonal on the opposite side boards in that same direction, same oh, number. Interesting. So I'm actually, that's the move that can actually shove stones off. So I'm kind of like working in three-dimensional like three space, trying to figure out how am I going to impact that board across the way with the board that I have now. And when I start losing pieces, I get really uh, cut down in terms of you know what I'm able to do. And so you have to rebalance your boards the more aggressive you get on any given board. Right. And it's just, it's a delightful game. You can learn it as quickly as checkers, and then halfway through the game, it turns into three-dimensional chess. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's a nice little level of uh, complexity to that. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, that and and with, cool. and with all the gorgeous components that we have, it's it's still, we got it in for $30. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, we were really, we, we lucked out. We found wow. a great uh, mm. manufacturer uh, that specialized in wood games, and um, they were they were able to bring it in at a great price. That is good, because I having seen it, yeah, that's, I didn't realize that that's the price range that you yeah. got it in. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So, uh, are there any old, uh, old Smirk and Dagger, Smirk and Laughter favorites that people have come by and, and either said, oh, I really love this game. Well, you know what? Um, we, <laughs> it's funny. Um, Cutthroat Cavern has sold a bunch, uh, and that's like probably oh, our cool. most famous game. Right. Uh, and that game is actually getting a whole reboot in August. Mm -hmm. Everything from you know brand new art to um, new rules, uh, some updated creatures, oh, new cool. mechanics. So uh, that's pretty exciting. But that... That we won't have until really September. We'll probably have a couple copies at Gen Con. Um, we also, uh, there's another new one we'll have uh, for Gen Con that we're previewing here, which is uh, Wooly Whammoth, which is a game where you're a cave tribe trying to shove mammoths off the edge of a cliff <laughs> to feed your family. Okay. Um, okay. Without, <laughs> without falling over the edge yourself, and that happens a lot, actually. Um, and then uh, we've got another one, again, previewing it. We've only got one copy here at the show, and it's called uh, The Menace Among Us. And this is a hidden traitor uh, semi-co-op uh, in a sci-fi universe. Okay. It's Think about it, uh, like the shorthand of it is like Battlestar Galactica in about 45 minutes with cards. Oh, okay. And um, okay. it is, I, I, I think it is going to actually turn like the, the social deduction category on, on its ear a little bit because it's got a lot of play meat to it. 
Like, it feels more like a board game when you're playing it, more like a Dead of Winter or Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> less like uh, a werewolf or a resistance. Oh, it's, okay. It's okay. more how you play than how you behave. Than how you behave. Yeah. Uh, okay. um, and it's, it's, it's beautifully illustrated. Um, it, it looks a lot like uh, uh, the artwork for, like, Titan AE, that, that movie from... Oh, neat. From, yeah, um, neat. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the fun of the game is just... You're trying to hunt the, the menace who is trying to sabotage the ship or kill you all. Um, it features <laughs> shuffle building, so you take um, your agenda deck comes with 13 uh, program cards for your personal deck. Okay. Um, that's unique, to, you know, just to you. And then once you know what your personal goal is, you're going to choose a character that adds seven more cards to that deck, as well as give you two special abilities. So every time you play, you got this different combination oh. of stuff. Okay. There's like over 300 cards in the game. There's 18 characters. There's 10 agendas. Four to eight players. It's it's a blast. Oh, yeah. Wow. That sounds pretty cool too. Yeah. So, um, wow. So you you free. <laughs> It's like, well, you've told us about some new stuff's coming out, uh, some of the old favorites and such. Uh, yeah, I, 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 as I was waiting to talk with you, I, I heard somebody coming by going, telling their their significant other about, oh, this game, Woolly Mammoth, is is great. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's funny when when you I think you look at the cover and you you're like, oh, is this a is this a family game? Right. It, uh, <laughs> the truth is, it is just it's a game where you're just horrible to people and you're throwing <laughs> them over the edges of a cliff. Um, it's Yes, families will enjoy it, but uh, I, I built it for you and me. So, <laughs> so has a has has a roll for your was it roll for your life? Roll Candyman for your life, Candyman. Yeah. Uh, so that attention. actually, sadly, by the time it actually released last year, uh -huh. it was just after all the retailers made their final orders for the Christmas season. Uh, okay. So the launch for that game kind of like got lost in the shuffle. Oh, so right. now people are just kind of discovering it for the first time. So this is really, it's almost like a launch for the game here. Right. <laughs> um, even though it's been out for a little bit. Um, but, you know, my, my, my gingerbread games, they tend to do extremely well come holiday. <laughs> so I'm sure it's going to get a whole oh, bunch yeah. of, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, we're, I think we're going to do like a, a, a cool poster for, for retailers that has like a gingerbread recipe on the back and other kind of things. But oh, that'd it's, be cool. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> this is like a, it's a speed dice game, like arena style combat between uh, gingerbread men. Right. So it's kind of like a, you know, having the candy cage match, just Just, that. just that part of the yeah. game taken out. Just ripping the limbs off game, of people yeah. and having a great time with, you know, rolling as right. dice as frantically as you can. So could you actually add that in as a sort of a replacement part Ooh. for that into a... So roll, that's an interesting idea. Or, yeah. um, I hadn't considered it, but we, we are going to be doing an anniversary edition of the original game, Run For Your Life, Candyman, because oh. okay. um, that that is out of stock, sold out right now. So okay. uh, we're not going to reprint it until next year, which is the 15-year anniversary, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and the the crazier thing is like you know we've got we've got an event at Gen Con every year where mm -hmm. you know we 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 play we have gingerbread men you know for, with frosting for for damage and um, <laughs> even though we have no, nothing to sell we can't disappoint disappoint the community because it is now like a Gen Con staple <laughs> and people shout their their heads off like you know screaming about ripping people's heads off and all sorts <laughs> right. of things so so we're doing that. And we have 96 people signed up to play in our in our gingerbread <laughs> men tournament 
this uh, this Gen Con. It sold out in like two weeks. <laughs> wow. I, like, I never imagined this game would ever have that kind of uh, cult following, but it totally does. Um, I wasn't even going to print that game. It was supposed to be like a joke that I was just going to have on my website. You could download right, for free right. and play with your own Candyland. But I, I brought a black and white copy one year to the Gamma Trade Show, and retailers stopped like dead in their tracks, like, my God, what have you done? <laughs> That's horrible. I love it. But full color, put any price you want on it, we'll sell the crap out of it. And, and, and it has, so it's great. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, cool. So, well, Kurt, you've been, it's been great talking with you here oh, at you. Origins. I was glad we were able to... To, to finally find you here at Origins long enough to be able to do this. Yeah, sorry. We keep, we keep running I've, into you, but... And I'm running all over the place, I know. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and quite honestly, I'm getting a lot of pitches from oh, people, you know, okay. who are trying to showcase, you know, their games that I might consider for next year or the year after, and there have oh, been some pretty it? good ones, so I don't know. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, well, um, again, thank you, Kurt. I'm... Again, we're here at Origins 2019. I'm talking with Kurt Covert with uh, Smirk and Dagger, Smirk and Laughter Games. And um, again, we really appreciate all the support you've given to the Scared Gaming Convention. You and betcha. people can, can check out those games at the games we've got at Scarab. And there may be some in the uh, play to win category as well. La 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Still here at Origins 2019, and I just happened to run into uh, a. a, a this, this guy has been busy every time I've seen him, so. I'm so I, busy. I lucked out. So I have uh, Bruce Vogue here with North, representing North Star Games. Hey. How's it going, Bruce? Goes all right. How are we doing here on day 31 of Origins? <laughs> uh, uh, my voice is a little wrecked, so if you're listening, I apologize, because I'm not my usual smooth, silky vocal tones. Uh, but it's been a lot of events, a lot of great stuff going on here at Origins. Okay. so. Uh, Overall, has it been? Has it just been going really well over there at uh, North Star? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, we have Quacksaquidlinburg, so that right. people are just forking each other in the skull to get their hands on, which is awesome. It's fun to have a game that people love. Right. It's fun to just have a great game that everyone is embracing. Uh, but we brought an awful lot of copies of it, and it's already sold out. Oh, so wow. we're really excited about that. Um, but we have some people demoing on the tables. We have Wits and Wagers, which uh -huh. we have a new Wits and Wagers coming to Target uh, for uh, Gen Con. It will be oh, cool. at Target and Gen Con at the same time. Uh, we've got wow. Evolution on the tables. People are playing that. The Evolution app people are checking out. We've got Warsaw City of Ruins. Uh, we've got I covered all. We've got Dude being played up in the front. We've got Dirty Pig that just premiered. So much stuff going on. <laughs> Have there been a lot of fish flying around? or? Uh... So thank goodness now, okay? Because I don't know if you know my fish flying stories. Oh, I, well, I have heard it. I don't know if our listeners have heard it. But... Okay, well then, by all means. So, uh, we sell a delightful little game called Happy Salmon. Uh, if you don't have it, please buy it. That's why I have a job. Um, at Gen Con one year, uh, folks decided that they wanted to do the uh, the Seattle fish market thing where they throw right. the fish. Right. So we have a guy who works for us. His name's Matt. Great guy. Uh, he's about six five, six six. Older dude, probably played basketball in college, I'm going to guess. <laughs> and we have our head, Nikki. And Nicole, uh, the booth was a big, like, 20 by 30 booth. Okay. And we were on the corner playing Happy Salmon. So he would play Happy Salmon, somebody went to bite, he'd go, Hey, Nick, throw me a fish. And she'd throw him a fish. And then I was there, and he decided I wasn't being excited enough about it. 
Because I would say, oh, thank you very much for playing. Go check over at the cash wrap. They can take care of you. He went, no, Bruce, that's not how you do it. <laughs> Throw him a fish, Nick. Nikki takes a three-step Joe Montana drop into the pocket. She launches. She's off far left. I, you can see me now, I'm not a fast dude, I'm not graceful. The fish is coming hot and fast. I'm afraid it's gonna come out of the booth. If it doesn't hit a passerby, it's gonna hit another booth full of people playing a game. I take as fast as my 325 pound frame will allow me to get to this fish. And I tip it in the air, figuring at least it's not going to hit anybody dead on fast. Right, right. While this happens, I feel my foot stop. I go, wow, I wonder what's up. I look down and I see my foot hooked on a wheel. So I go, good, we're at a convention. Gamer with a cart full of games, this will save me. <laughs> I spin, I look, it is a baby stroller. Oh, with no. a genuine grade A baby oh, with two parents who in all good theory care about it. I managed to somehow tip the fish in the air while I've made the spin. I get my foot almost out from under the stroller and I do not fall into the aisle. The stroller lifts up from the ground about a half an inch and drops down. The baby, oh, we're all waiting. It seems to take a minute. The baby not phased. Thank goodness the baby not phased. The mother is horrified. The father is a stormtrooper and proceeds to get in my oh, no. face because I have nearly killed his child. Uh, I look at the stormtrooper and I go, are you all right? Is your wife all right? Is your kid all right? Okay, then we're fine here. He kind of postures a little bit. I go, then we're fine here. And then the moment stops and thank goodness I didn't almost kill a child. But it was very close, and if you've ever been to Gen Con, it's, it's just person to person. So the thought that, and all, while this happens, I tip the fish in the air, the fish lands up and lands down like on people. They don't even care. They're <laughs> so happy that I didn't kill a child because they saw the rest of the shit that had to happen for right. me to like get and tip and spin and not kill a child, that they just calmly walked over, handed me my fish and said, good work, and walked away. <laughs> so we got our fish back, nobody got hurt, the kid didn't get hurt. The father was a little upset, understandable. And we got through the rest of the show. Oh my goodness. So I ask everyone not to throw fish at me because <laughs> you can't control them. You can't put a spiral on a fish. It's not a thing you can do. <laughs> so, so nothing like that happening here at Origins? No, not right? this time, no. Not this time, okay. Nobody's trying to throw you a copy of Dude or something? No, no one chucked me a copy of Dude. They learn. Don't throw stuff at Bruce. Stuff at Bruce. <laughs> Bruce doesn't have a whole lot of like left to right motion. <laughs> well, that's... Well. <laughs> I, I don't and know how to follow that R up. Ruby's sitting there. Ruby has not heard the story, so... No, no. <laughs> oh, uh, by all means. Right. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm glad you're able to take a few minutes to... So Absolutely. I'm sorry that are, is there more you want to know? No. Because this is your whole, like, this is a told story on the one I really like. <laughs> But well, is there anything else the fine folks listening to the Swarmcast, I assume, <laughs> yeah. need to hear? We just came by to say hello and hey. take a few minutes with you, and that's all. It's, it's just a quick little... And, and see how things are going, going over here. Very good. No, things are yeah. going fantastic. Once again, Quacks Quillenberg, uh, people love right. it. We're really happy about it. Warsaw, all the evolutions. Uh, once again, we have um, we have the expansion of Warsaw, or the expansion of Warsaw, the expansion of Quacks Quillenberg coming out at Gen Con. 
Okay. okay. Uh, we have a new Vegas Wits and Wagers, a full boxed version coming to Target. So that's oh, super cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, we've got Oceans coming out. We've got so much stuff going on. So it's awesome. It's awesome to be here. Day 45 of Origins. <laughs> it's a lovely city. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun to be here. Thanks so much for coming to talk to me. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your time. No problem. Yeah. I'm sorry my voice is so bad. I'm that's, sorry, listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Bruce. Well, you have no good problem. time. We'll do. We'll do. Everything's good, profitable, and fun. And I sure hope so. I hope it's laid back and mellow and profitable, <laughs> as uh, Dr. Teeth would say. <laughs> so, hey, guys. Toast here at uh, Origins 2019. I did John somewhere. I don't know where. But um, I'm here at Ninth Level Games, uh, the room that they've got here that they've been running a bunch of games at. And I've got uh, the notorious... Chris O'Neill, I'm looking at you, and, uh, and yeah, Heather. Yeah, I'm looking at you. I see you. Hey, Heather. How's it Hi. going? Hi. Um, I don't mind talking to you. Okay. This guy. <laughs> this guy. So, uh, a lot of stuff's been going down here at Origins for, uh, for, for ninth level games. I know last night, uh, me and some buddies tried to, uh, do something, uh, Solve a certain problem, but it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Last night we uh, we played the 20th anniversary Midnight Massacre called Chris and Dan Must Die, and a lot of kobolds got killed. Uh, somewhere in the range of 270 or so, but at least at least five Chris O'Neill's died. So there is that. So there is that. And, and you are much bigger than a kobold, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, these days, I'm much bigger than many kobolds. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, my head hurts trying to think about that. <laughs> so, aside from this uh, kobolds game, which we will not mention, looking at you, Star Chris. <laughs> aside, yes. Aside from that, uh, you guys have got a bunch of other games that you've brought here to Origins. Uh, so what have been some of your, uh, your big... Uh, your big, your big hits here that you've been showing up. Um, well, our, our newest game uh, has been a big hit is Meeple Party, where you are Meeple throwing a party. and uh, As it says on the box. Yes, as it says on the box. It is a party of Meeples throwing a Meeple Party. Basically, uh, every person playing and all of the guests have a different personality. Like maybe you're a flirt or a jerk or you're cool or you're a party animal or you're a wallflower. And as those guests show up, they affect a room when they enter it. So maybe a jerk goes into a room that pushes somebody far away. Or maybe a flirt goes into a room and it attracts someone. And you're um, manipulating all the guests on the board to set up situations to take photos to show how fun your party is. So photos would be points. And of course, you know, it's not just all about fun at parties, unfortunately. Things, bad things can happen. So there's disasters, and if disasters are not avoided, we start taking stress. And if we stress out, we shut the party down, down send everybody home, and we, and we lose. So it's a co-op, and uh, it takes about 30 minutes to an hour to play, and it plays one to five people. It is on a boat currently. Uh, Coming it's to America. on a boat coming to America, like Eddie Murphy. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be available for sale uh, by, by Gen Con, hopefully, and then in stores in August or September. So that's the new one. That's right. Keep an eye out. Yeah. So keep an eye out for Meat Party, was it? Yeah. Yes, Meat, meat, meat Party. Uh, meeple Party. Meeple. Ah, oh. uh, you probably stole it, Meeple stuff. Meeples are delicious as well. It's okay. <laughs> Swarmcast wants wants everybody to know kids don't actually eat meeples. Don't don't yeah yeah I mean kobolds can eat meeples. Not right. actually Children candy. should not eat meeples. Right that's right. 
So, um, aside from Meeple Party, what, uh, what other games are, what games have you been really showing off a lot here in the, in, your, in this room, other than Meeple Party? Uh, we've run a bunch of, uh, our new role-playing game, which is called Mazes, okay. which is based on the Polymorph system, which is Ninth Level's new engine for playing role-playing games, uh, that are designed to be episodic and uh, allow you to create and tell different kinds of stories than what we see in traditional role-playing. Um, and Mazes is designed to feel like an old-school role-playing game, so uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, the, the short fiction of the 60s and 70s. Um, you can do character creation and have an entire uh, Dungeon and Dragons-like adventure in about two hours. Which is really pretty impressive. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. So I mean, our our goal is is that um, Polymorph is for running games that are in the two to three hour range, um, and we're gonna see some more of Polymorph next year uh, as we do a bunch of other new games. Um, but for right now, the new one is gonna be called Mazes. So, and that'll be out. Um, there was a Kickstarter for that. You can still late pledge for Mazes, and uh, it, you can see it from the Kickstarter or from the Ninth Level website. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and using that system, there'll be uh, some titles that we know are going to be coming out between now and next summer. Uh, one of them is called Excellence, where you are uh, an excellent princess because you're excellent at something. And um, so that's a nice, fun, uh, different kind of theme, but using the same polymorph system. So that is going to be something we put out probably in the fall. That's That'll be a standalone cool. book that you can get. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I we like got watch, all... I like watching a lot of those uh, magical girl and uh, you know power princess kind of things. Yeah, and that's that, that's 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 that's, don't, that's it. Don't you tell any other kobolds that you know? Um, everybody likes to be a princess, and everybody deserves to be a princess. And uh, uh, the excellence is uh, we got the art for it, and it's really amazing. Uh, it's by a local artist. She's from here, right? Yeah. Uh, Tina, I'm going to butcher your last name, Bornogo, I think is how you say it. <laughs> Tina's amazing. Her last name is difficult to pronounce. <laughs> I think it's B something Italian. Yes. <laughs> Borgonio. Borgino. Yes. It's, uh, Chef it's Boyardino. Chef Boyardino. It is a... Uh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it sounds delicious. Cool. Yeah, so we've got that going on. Also, if you didn't hear about it, because um, as a kobold, we understand you uh, you have limited media capabilities. Oh yeah, exactly. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi in the caves is horrible. Right, I'm sure bad signal. You know, you don't get everything. So um, we have an anthology that came out in November called Tragedies of Middle School, which is storytelling games, role-playing games, solo adventures, all using middle school recess mechanics instead of dice uh, for resolution. So maybe a spin-the-bottle game or a dodgeball game or a school dance, that kind of thing. So keep an eye out for And that's that. available now. Yeah, you can get tragedies anywhere. Oh, that's that book that looks like it was written on somebody's, uh, like, uh, what is it, notebook. Yeah, it's like a, it looks like a, an old a mead copy book. In fact, there's a great little joke on the cover. If you look where it would say mead notebook, it says mean, mean notebook. That's <laughs> so, But there's 22 games in that anthology. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we've got about less than a dollar a game because oh. it's yeah. well, actually, well, it's a little more less. than a dollar. Yeah, well, they don't know it's math. It's like a dollar. It's they like a dollar eight a game. He doesn't know math. It's fine. Wow. Um, but basically, yeah, we've got uh, seven, nearly free. Seventeen different like designers, math. including two real middle schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> 
So that, that gives it some cred. It's got some cred. <laughs> there's, there's Dan over there. Hey, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Dan Landis does not understand that he could actually be interviewed by a kobold. His brain, it's not going to. Ah, yeah, I think he just, he, he, he just died. So, <laughs> a little bit inside. A little, a little bit he inside. He also lost. And, so, and I lost. So I see over there, there's a, a table that's that's got a, that Schrodinger's Cats game on it. It's like every time I look over there, there's either somebody there or nobody there. So that's very thematically yeah, appropriate. Yeah, it is very. Uh, it's, it's, Schrodinger's, it's Schrodinger's event. It is either always running or it's never running. <laughs> Uh, but we always have it set up because Schrodinger's is definitely the game that uh, everybody likes. Yeah, it's definitely our biggest uh, board game seller. It's got very cute cats and a lot of cat and science puns. Aside from actually being a very good game, I think. <laughs> it's a very tight. It's a very tight. Uh, you know, we call it a pseudo scientific game because the science is fake, but the action is real. And the cats are real. The cats are real cute. Yeah. But basically, you can play a character like Neil deGrasse Tabby or Madame Purry or Sir Isaac Mutant. Feline Stein. Right. Mittens Faraday. <laughs> right. Hey, Toast. What? Dinner time. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was great talking with you, Heather. Really great. Learned a lot of really good stuff. Chris? <laughs> hey. I see you. Bye, Toast. Hey. Bye. Bye, Toast. See you next year or something. So, hey guys, I'm still here at uh, Origins 2019, and some of you may remember a while back on the show we did a um, during our our quick quick start exchange or, or as we called it our quick draw. Uh, we one of one of our one of our regular host GMs uh, ran a game called Clockwork Dominion. Well, uh, at Origins, I happened to run into Zeke Coglin with uh, Reliquary Games, and he is here with me right now. How's it going, Zeke? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So uh, we had a lot of fun playing the, the Quick Start, and uh, I got to admit, seeing seeing the booth, seeing all the books and stuff, and the, and the cards and everything, um, the book the, the game looks looks amazing. The, the artwork is just is great, and like I said, we had a lot of fun playing the game. So, how's it been going for you at Origins? Oh, yeah, sales have been good. We just came out with Highland Spirits, which is our first campaign book. Okay. Which is, uh, I don't know, somewhere between 7 and 20 adventures, depending on how you run. Uh, it's a campaign that takes your characters into the Borderlands in the Fey Realm. Oh, And it deals wow. with, yeah, it's kind of cool. The, uh, the author of the story portion of it is an English literature professor. And <laughs> okay. he just drew a whole lot of... Uh, Norse mythology, Irish fae lore, Victorian fae lore, oh, even, wow. even a little dabbling of Plato and Dante kind of make it into oh. the book. But one of our, <laughs> our kind of modus operandi is uh, we, we take one step from reality. So about 85% of what uh -huh. you're reading in any one of our books is real stuff that really happened. And then we kind oh, of that's cool. deviate from it just a little bit. Oh, that's very cool. Um, and so he kind of did a masterful job puzzle piecing all of these different mythologies together into uh -huh. this story of like betrayal and loss, and it's fantastic. Oh, that's that's very cool. We also um, we write our campaign books a little differently in that the first story is very very articulate. It's just like getting like a Pathfinder storybook, but then okay. each story that follows that in in the sequence is just a little less laid out and a little bit more framework rather than specific 
so that what your characters do throughout the campaign actually can change the story. Okay, and that makes sense, because usually when you first start something, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say structured, but I guess, yeah, that's like like you were saying. And yeah. And you just don't, as GM, you just don't know what the players are going to yeah, but I mean, like what when decisions they're going to make and stuff. A lot of campaign books that we kind of come across, and again, I love these games, so don't get me wrong. Right, right. But they, <laughs> you get a little railroaded, and uh, okay. the we wanted to make um, we wanted to make a campaign book where the players were involved in the plot, uh-huh. and that you could easily tell the story in a way that it was about the players, rather than the kind of usual campaign book where you make whatever you want and. You just happen to be there. It doesn't have anything to do with oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. That's, that's very cool. So uh, you, were, you were actually just telling me some interesting stuff about, um, about your game. Because uh, when we found the Quick Start, I think we found it actually on DriveThruRPG. Mm-hmm. And you were, telling, you were giving me some interesting, uh, uh, not necessarily numbers, but, but facts about oh, like, I mean, where you guys are on, on uh, yeah, uh, RPG. We just hit um, in the top 100 publishers on our uh, DriveThruRPG. Uh-huh. And uh, they're uh, they're cool people. We've gotten to hang out with them a lot recently. Oh, that's um, cool. But our, our core book hit silver bestseller, I believe. Okay. And our supplement, um, first supplement, Cabinet Curiosities, just hit copper bestseller. Oh, cool. And uh, <laughs> so we're we're doing we're doing fairly well over there. Um, we also just like hanging out with the folks from Drive Through RPG. Right. We, <laughs> us being one of the first uh, kind of popular card-based RPGs. We got to, to know Brian, the guy in charge of drive through cards, really well. Oh, yeah? And okay. I can see that. <laughs> they're, they're good folk. They've been very supportive of the game, and we're very supportive of them. Well, that's very cool. Um, so, gosh, what was I going to say? You, you, you were actually very excited when I came over to the booth because you were just like opening, what, the, the, the last box of books or something that you, that you have, yeah. <laughs> have at your booth. So, we, so uh, I guess things have been going very well for you here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're selling really well. I think um, people play the game. Okay. And uh, we get about a little less at Origins because Origins is a little bit more board gamey in its milieu. Right. But right, right. Uh, we generally get anywhere from 35 to 50 percent of people that sit down and play for the first time want to to buy the game. Oh, that's cool. And so that's um, it's 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 an experience. It's like you can tell someone our game is innovative and it's different, right. but until you actually sit down and play it, you it's like it's like you don't believe me. It's like I've heard that before. Your, your game is not really innovative. And then they're like, oh, my God, wow, this is this is really different. Um, okay. But uh, we had a couple of things happen in this con game where it just kind of knocked people away. Like, there were a couple of design goals for the game that we had, uh-huh. um, like uh, the card-based initiative and combat systems where there's no dice. Right. You know, of course, we had this concept of we want actions and reactions so that combat follows these narrative exchanges. So it's not like the orc attacks you and I do nothing. I'm so bored I'm on my cell phone and someone else is attacking him. The orc that hit me is going to get killed by someone else before I even get a chance to go. And you're not really narratively interacting with anyone. And uh-huh. it gets kind of disappointing because you, you're like, oh, combat is actually about how much damage can I do to the other side before they injure one of my, my friends. Uh-huh. And that's not story driven. That's almost like a board game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I can see that. <laughs> when you have this whole action-reaction thing where you actually get to respond to people immediately, mm-hmm. um, you get this, uh, you feel like you're actually interacting in combat. And then you, you add the interrupt function where players can sacrifice resources to uh, you know, take a little bit of a penalty to, to go immediately, and all of a sudden, you, know, you don't end up in that scenario where it's like something like, uh, I don't know, uh, 
the the my lady love is being absconded by the by, with by the by this demon and 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 I am on my cell phone because combat is so boring. It's your turn. You gonna oh, do something yeah. about that? Well, you, because I rolled rolled really bad for initiative, and it's like, well, I guess. He's going to get away. Yeah, cause... but I mean, how often have you been sitting in a game where it's like, <laughs> this makes sense for my character to do it. It's not my turn. Right, right, right. Um, this allows for characters to overextend to act when they would act. Okay. Um, so, it, so you get to take that ri- take a, a risk to, to, to get that, that yeah. greater reward character-wise. Yeah, and, 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 okay. and, it, and it tells a story. And, that's the, it's, and it's not like one of those narrative based games where if I speak loudest I go first. Oh, good. It's mechanical <laughs> but it allows for narration in combat. It, we actually had a really interesting um, scenario uh, that happened yesterday mm-hmm. where one of the players, they were um, fighting a fey lord that came out of the, the realm of the fairies. Okay. And at some point in time he realized, oh my god, I am a descendant from this man's bloodline. <laughs> He's not coming to kill me. He's coming to bring me back to fairy. He wants me alive. And so he's oh, like, yeah. hmm. Puts his own gun to his own head and begins to pull the trigger as a bluff. Makes his bluff check. The fairy lord overextends everything to try to protect him. Uh-huh. Flips over multiple cards in an initiative to get <laughs> at him. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you just used one initiative card to have your opponent spend two. You were outmatched until that moment. Your bluff actually had mechanical benefit. Oh, wow. And yeah. in every other game, the GM would have had to have been like, um, stop. We're going to stop combat. I'm going to adjudicate this in some way that has nothing to do with rules. Uh, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> but in our game, the narrative just kept going because the rules counted for it. That's, That's really very cool. cool. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot. That's very, very cool. So, um, gosh. Uh, so, so what were some ins- inspirations then for what was, what made you go, hey, uh, we need to make. We well, I mean, and, and, and people end up making games not because something inspires them. People make games because something pisses them off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I yeah, remember, you know, that's that's. that's I remember quite true. vividly. Now, I, I love D and D. Grew up playing D and D. So don't don't hear me bad mouthing D and D. I I own every it's, fifth edition it's, book it's, there it's is. It's okay. I think I think most uh, a lot of RPG guys are, are start off with well. D and D did this, and then yeah. But I remember very vividly. There's this this time, and I, I was out of college. We were playing third ed, uh-huh. and our characters were brought in to be bodyguards at a wedding, and so a horde of demons attack the wedding, as is wont to happen. Right, right. You know it happened. You know, and um, the the groomsman gets possessed. And the GM is like, what are you going to do? The groom's is possessed, and he's being attacked by all these demons. And, and I'm like, I punch him in the face. I do D4 subdual damage. Now he won't bleed out or die. I'll let the demons attack him, and I'm going to go over here and do something. <laughs> and he's like, you just gamed the game. And I'm like, you shouldn't have a game yeah. that you can game. <laughs> and, and it occurred to me in that moment that I love playing the game, but there's nothing in that game that is verisimilar for similitudinous? Is that a word? It, it's not sure. real. It, uh, <laughs> I, am, I am constantly thinking about what the rules let me do rather than thinking about what I would do in that situation. Okay. And I, 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 then I, after that happened, I noticed it in every game. I was playing Shadowrun once where I literally stood up and okay. soaked a law rocket to the chest without <laughs> taking damage. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some cool factor to that in and of itself. But it's not real, right? And if you if if you want to tell stories where there's some reality to it, you want a game where if you draw a gun, everyone is afraid. You want to right, right. You want a story where physical combat is actually what happens when social combat fails. Right. Not everyone runs in gun blazing. That's not how, especially in a Victorian setting, how things work. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And so we wanted rules that let us tell a type of story that didn't seem like there were rules that let us tell yet. So you want high fantasy, you're going to go for D&D. If you, if you want to play like a high fantasy mechanized mayhem, you're, you're, you're going to go to, to Shadowrun. If you, if you want to play Super Crunch, you're going to go to GURPS. But if you want to play a Victorian high society where s s social combat matters and your, your players can actually engage one another in a way where being a bunch of wandering murder hobos doesn't make mechanical sense, uh -huh. then I'm going to play Clockwork. Okay. Okay, and I and I and I get that. You're right. A lot of games don't really they can, they uh, don't really do well on the whole social uh, social combat kind of mechanic. It's usually down to well, I say this. Okay, well, cool. We'll just roll some dice. I roll some dice. Well, uh, he made his a uh, saving throw versus you. Yeah. Yammering at him. So. And if you're playing a high <laughs> fantasy encounter to encounter game like D and D, it makes sense. You don't want to waste time on that. But right. if you're playing a story where socialness is like the, the center of it yeah, yeah. you don't want to gloss over that you right. want to get into it with some meat and and with this this victorian setting that's definitely a major part of it mm -hmm. like you were saying more so than just just uh, you know i hit him with my sword yeah well, one of the things that we do when we're pitching the game is we'll say you know if you broke into you know lord grantham's manor and you're stealing his silver in the middle of the night uh -huh. and he catches you you know he's going to be like what are you doing and there are a lot of games out there where you would say I am taking your silver to be cleaned. I roll a natural 20. And then he says, oh, well, off you go. Right. And you're like, that's not a, it's not an emotionally satisfying encounter. Right, right. Whereas in clockwork, you have a disposition track. And so the best you're going to do with the best possible draw <laughs> is move him from a hostile, hostile disposition to an indifferent disposition. And so you've, you've kept him from calling the police. And now you got to keep going. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, if you're playing a social-based game, or even even a slightly social game in a Victorian setting, uh -huh. um, it's more satisfying. It's uh, it gives players what they want, and we've found that a lot of players who are used to playing high-action games, which again are good in their own right, um, when they get introduced to Clockwork, they'll start playing really social characters because the mechanics actually feed that part of them that want that meat. <laughs> Um, oh, that's very cool. And we also have people that play Clockwork like a bunch of wandering murder hobos, but those games become well. more like cautionary tales. <laughs> I mean, well, that's gonna that's gonna happen. You know. The other thing when you talk about inspiration, um, if I may go on. Sure, please, uh, please. We, uh, I tried to run horror games in the past. Okay. And, and I, I'm not a gore guy. I like psychological horror. I like moral ambiguity. I, I, I like... Um, right. There was a in the original White Wolf editions of Vampire, it talked about using role play as a way of psychological experimentation, dealing with moral problems, okay. yeah. and seeing what you would do. Um, okay. And uh, you know, it's like that if you've ever played The Last of Us, the video game. Yeah. At, at the end, do you shoot all the physicians to get the girl out, mm -hmm. or do you realize you only have to shoot one? You know, I killed oh, all yeah. of them. I, I felt so <laughs> terrible about that afterwards. <laughs> and so I was like, you realize you didn't have to do that, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm a bad person. Like, no. But, <laughs> but I mean, you can play games to kind of allow you to explore those, those, those places. But um, when you start doing that in a horror setting, it gets hard. Usually people are like, I'm going to burn some candles and play some mood music. Nobody make any jokes. Everybody be serious. Yes. And you're really trying <laughs> to bring people in. And 
it turns out that, you know, players aren't really scared of scary monsters. They face scary monsters in every role-playing game, and, you know, right, right. some players are scared of going insane in those kind of games that do that, but most players are kind of like, what, this doesn't actually do much unless I want to role-play it, so it doesn't mm -hmm. really affect them. So one of the things that we did for the game is how do you create a mechanical system that actually helps you tell this story? And so when we introduced the concept of the Pontus, Mm -hmm. which is uh, based in some medieval heresy, um, Victorian uh, and medieval deism. Um, okay. You get this concept that the earth was created from chaos and chaos is slowly reclaiming the world because we're doing terrible things to actually break reality. Um, when you act against the divine will, as it were, because you don't really understand it, because who does? Right. right. Reality starts crumbling back down into the chaos from which it was made. Huh. And again, pulling from... Uh, reality, which is what we try to do, we say all the things that happen in history uh, that can't be explained that are kind of scary, like um, people spontaneously combust, or it rains frogs, or it rains blood, or you know, uh -huh. it rains spiders, which it recently did in South America. Um, oh gosh! Yeah, there's a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, look it up on YouTube. It's amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, there's a scientific explanation for it, which sounds like a horror story. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, they're like, <laughs> like gestating in the stratosphere and then growing oh legs gosh. and falling on this town. Um, is, hey, when you get the YouTube video, there's actually a spider that falls on the, on the cell phone as it's filming it. Oh my it. gosh. It's terrifying. <laughs> but anyway, all of these crazy things that happen, are, we, we say, are evidence of the Pontus reclaiming creation. And so in the game, when your characters do vile things, when they murder people, when they torture or break their oath or whatever morality you want to play with at your table, we're not going to make that decision for you, um, you get corruption points on your character sheet. When the doom card, the special card in the deck hits the table, A, you fail, but B, if there's corruption at the table, a Pontus event happens because of what you've done. Oh, wow. And then... When you go into places that are um, that have grip from the Pontus, like like the Chicago Murder House, places where terrible things have happened, right. um, the the Pontus events are that much worse. So we've discovered that while characters are not afraid of scary, scary monsters, they really are afraid of, oh my god, my own bad moral decision making is going to come <laughs> back and haunt me in a real narrative and mechanical way at a time that I can't prepare for randomly at some point in the future. Huh. And then you know, instead of, I'm going to describe this cursed graveyard and everyone's going to be scared, everyone play along, players are like, oh my god, if we go in there and someone draws the Doom card, <laughs> uh, this is going to be so much worse. We're going to go around as much as possible. And so you don't make the character oh, wow. scared. You make the players scared. And it changes the whole way horror games are told. Wow, I like that. I like that a lot. That, that, uh, yeah, that really works. Because I've always had this issue with, with games that have horror in it. It's like, well, the you know, as players, it's like, you know we're playing a horror game. Unless I trick you into thinking we're playing some other game, you know, then when I do something that's horrible, some, some crazy monster or ghost shows up, you're like, okay, well. <laughs> it's a ghost. I knew there was going to be a ghost in here somewhere. We're playing Ghostbusters, of course there's going to be a ghost, you know, or something like that. I remember I was playing a game of D&D, &D and uh, we were in the Underdark, and the, the game master describes this really terrible beast, and I'm like, <gasps> oh, it's a roper. It's only five <laughs> dice, guys. Let's go. And oh, he, just, he just glared at me like, you've just ruined this moment. Um, but I, I do want to talk about one more piece of inspiration sure, to answer your that. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we used to play a lot of Role Master back in the day. Oh, okay. And yep. <laughs> um, the, there's like the good part of Role Master was anything could happen. 
Right. You had if you went through a couple of charts, you know, a hobbit could throw a dagger into the eye of a dragon and kill him on on, on a one shot. Right. Um, and the, <laughs> the, the the bad part of uh, of Rollmaster is the amount of math and tables you had to go through. <laughs> and so in yeah. clockwork, on every card is a narrative condition. So if you okay. if you draw well enough on a skill test, mm -hmm. you can start applying narrative conditions to your opponent or to the scene. And so, okay. um, in physical combat, if I drew the entrapped condition, mm -hmm. um, I've uh, cut off your route of egress. And in social conflict, if I draw the entrapped condition, I uh, um, I basically uh, make you enticed or angry enough that you don't want to leave. But uh, <laughs> last night. Um, Jessica, one of our GMs, is running a, a game where you have to face off against a Fey Lord at the end. We love fairies, especially at cons. It goes really well. But um, the uh, they face off against this Fey Lord, and the narrative conditions that came up, they entrapped him so he couldn't get away, and then they played a, um, a condition called Exposed, which meant they could good cop, bad cop him and attack him <laughs> from both sides. Wow. And they defeated a Fey Lord specifically because of tactical role-playing, and good social role playing and um, having these different conditions in play. And so you, you have this way of instead of just doing points of damage, uh, right. you have these interesting effects that come up that change the way the narration goes and the way the mechanics flow. So your character's uh, ideas have input into the way the, the, the narrative is told. That's very cool. I, I'm really, really digging this. I'm, I'm hoping that. Um I'm hoping we can get at least uh, a couple tables of this um, at Scarab Gaming Convention in January uh, because, like I said, I know we had a lot of fun with the quick start, and um, I know we've got it. We've got uh, some of we've got some of your, your products that are going to be going into Scarab's uh, prize mm -hmm. support. So, so that's going to be cool. And, uh, like I said, I hope I can. Uh, I think I could convince a couple of my friends who really had fun with it to maybe GM a couple games or so at Scarab as well. That'd be great. Well, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, actually, I actually want to want to play it a lot more now too. <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. We we, we basically, you know, our, our sales pitch is just play the game. You'll love it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. So. Well, cool. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much, uh, Zeke, for for sitting down here. And, and Talk, take a time out of your schedule here at, uh, at Origins 2019 to talk to me about uh, Clockwork Dominion. So where where can people get more information or, or, or find um, you guys? ClockworkDominion.com um, is, our, is our website address. We actually have a lot more dialogue and uh, questions being answered and conversation happening uh, on our Facebook page. Okay. Which is a Clockwork World. Okay. You know, Facebook.com slash a Clockwork World. Right. Or if you look up... Clockwork Dominion RPG will come up. All right, so we're here at Origins 2019 still. Woo! And uh, here at Tuesday Night Games. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Night K-N-I-G-H-T. That's right, spelled with a K. And I am here with... Alan Girding. I'm one of the co-owners. Sean McCoy is the other half, but he just had a baby, selfishly. So he's not here at the show right now. <laughs> so it's myself and our wonderful volunteers at the Tuesday Night Games booth, and it's been an amazing show. Cool. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you how has been Origins been turning out for you? Great. We sold out of That's Not Lemonade. We sold out of World Championship Russian Roulette, and we're down <laughs> to very few copies of Two Rooms and a Boom. We still have 
Mothership and Dead Planet, which is our sci-fi horror role-playing game designed from the ground up by Sean McCoy. So it's been great, but realistically, I think we're just idiots because we could have brought more That's Not Lemonade, so it sounds good. <laughs> but for all you know, we just brought one of every game and we sold the one. Realistically, we brought 70, but uh, we sold out of a lot of our games. So we've learned our lesson. So it's been good and bad in that, whoops, we should have brought more games because we didn't think we'd sell out. Yeah, Origins is fantastic. Well, that's great. I can think of worse problems to have there. Let me flip the so. mic. How's the show been for you, John? Uh, it's been great. A lot of people have wanted to, to, to talk with me for the podcast. So Very that's cool. been great. Um, it seems like over the years, more game companies and game developers have been more willing to do that. So Right. So they I mean, why me. wouldn't they? Why uh, wouldn't they want to be on anyone's podcast? I, <laughs> I have a podcast, Tuesday Night Podcast. You should okay. go on that one. Yeah, why not? Everyone should get on that podcast. So, so what do you guys do on a Tuesday Night Podcast? The tagline is, it's the stories we make while playing the games on, around, and under the gaming table. So the stories we make while playing okay. the games we love. And when people listen, you should hear a story. So it's not so much like, how does this game work? Is this game good? It's not a board game review site. Okay. It's more about the experiences. Because here's the true secret that I probably shouldn't share. <laughs> I don't really like games even though I design games. And what do I mean by that? It's not the games that I love, it's the interactions and memories I make with the friends and family with whom we play. Okay. So I think a really good game is one that just lubricates that situation, that really facilitates good memories and good interactions. So that's one thing that you can expect from all the Tuesday night games that we provide, is that this is just supposed to really be the anchor around which everyone can go ahead and make sure they have a memorable experience. Like two rooms in a boom, six to 30 players right, right. <laughs> in just 15 minutes, and all you're doing is talking the entire time. That's not, not Lemonade. As the simplest, dumbest, greatest, purest press-your-luck game by Matt Fantastic ever. And it's so quick and simple to get into that everyone's just laughing and they end up having these side conversations while they're doing it. So people walk away talking about the time they had Okay. More so than even the game. They'll just say, oh, I remember when you said this, et cetera. And okay. that's what we talk about on the podcast. Okay. Well, I know with uh, Two Rooms and a Boom, it, it really, it, uh, no pun intended, it really pops, really explodes when you've got a lot of people playing it. Yes. Is, uh, is that spot Lemonade uh, geared for more of a, um, relatively totally speaking, smaller yeah, group? Yeah. <laughs> that's not Lemonade plays two to six players, but you can combine copies, so you can play up to 12. And oh, we wow. even had some people come up and say they played three copies. <laughs> so doing my math, that tells me that's 18, 18 players oh around a big table. And it still works because it's so simple. And it's an open table game. Like uh -huh. Anthony Birch's World Championship Russian Roulette uh -huh. is also an open table. So let me ask you. Yeah, sure. What do you think that means, open table? Uh, to me, that just means that anybody can kind of, uh, that everybody's free to just kind of sit around and talk and do stuff whenever, you're on the right however track. they want to. Yeah, you're not totally wrong. It simply means people can come and go as they please. Like, let's okay. suppose you have okay. a phone call and you have to leave the game. Right. We don't have to wait for you to finish your phone call. We can keep on playing the game. Okay. So that's why World Championship Russian Roulette, and that's not Lemonade, hits the table again and again because it's really good for the first game of the evening or the last oh, okay. one. That way when people are arriving, they can just come and join in. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. again, we want to facilitate those memories and that time that you have with your friends. Right. And it kind of stinks like, damn it, Danny, you're 
three minutes late, you're 10 minutes uh, late, now we have to stop and do this again, or Danny has to wait while we finish the game. Forget that, right, we want or, people to jump right in. Or, or, you know, well, the game's come to a halt because, you know, somebody had to get up and go to the bathroom, so, exactly. and we're waiting on their turn. So. Yeah, let's just do one round without them. It'll right. be fine. Oh, that's great, that's awesome. Thanks, man, So appreciate uh, it. Uh, as, I, as I was coming up here, um, Amy was was showing me a copy of Mothership. Oh. Now, as as a as a I'm in, I'm into board games, but RPGs are are definitely that's your thing. Definitely my thing. Gotcha. So I was intrigued by that. It's like, oh really? Tell me about this. <laughs> so Mothership uses uh -huh. a D100 system. Okay. All right. And it All is right. the truest sci-fi horror role-playing game, in my opinion. <laughs> of course, I'm biased that you can get into. <laughs> So many people watch movies, Aliens, Event Horizon, Prometheus, mm -hmm. and they think, well, that's not what I would have done. That person's an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, Mothership really does immerse you in that situation. So you get to find out, would you do any better? What would you do in this situation? Okay. If there, were if there was an audience watching you, would they be criticizing you as much as you criticized <laughs> watching those movies? Because it's very perilous. Huh. In fact, you shouldn't get too attached to your character. But we're also getting a whole bunch of accolade and compliments. And one of the big reasons is, first of all, Sean did the base game all by himself. So it's all Sean McCoy. Okay. And it's very elegant. And what do we mean by elegant? It's very simple to get into, mm -hmm. but has a lot of depth to it. Because the base game you can get for free at our website, TuesdayNightGames.com, to just give it a try. Okay. And you can roll up a character in no time. It even has a flow chart. So you don't need to look up how to do it. It tells you how to do it actually in the character sheet. So you can roll up characters in no time, which may be important in case characters oh, die. Yeah. Oh, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking, <laughs> right? But there's also this really ease of use with the mechanics. And the other big mechanic, too, is there is a stress mechanic. So uh -huh. even though you may be strong, you may be smart, slowly but surely you're gaining stress and then you have to roll on a panic table okay. and the panic table may force you to do things you may not to do. You could just freeze, oh, okay. maybe you have a disadvantage or maybe you have a psychopathic break and you go ahead and start attacking your other teammates. <laughs> so there's okay, even suspicion okay. amongst other players that can happen, especially because one of the four character classes you can be is the android. And the android oh. is mm, always it's always suspect. Always suspect because the android's loyal to the corporation that built the android. Right. So the android may have a secret mission that none of the other players know about, or not. Uh, okay. But the players don't know that, and so the game master, as we call him, the warden, may pull the android aside and say, okay. "Hey." We just want to make sure that all the other crew members are up to date on their vaccinations. If they're not, make sure they get vaccinated. Mm. So that poor player playing the android comes back into the room and of course the other players will say what, what was that about why'd the warden talk to you in the other room oh nothing nothing well he wanted to guess vaccinations what are in those vaccinations anyway <laughs> so that's the idea nice of mothership it also has a lot of tools in there that make it as easy as possible to get up and running for the wardens the game masters oh cool yeah. Very cool. So it's built from the ground up, and a lot of people have said, why isn't it more role-playing games haven't done it? Like simple, stupid things like making sure that if there's non-player characters, none of them have names that start with the same letter. I know that doesn't sound really important, but realistically, when you're playing the game, huh. it's very easy to confuse two characters, non-player right. characters, together. There's also color coding. What do I mean by that? When you open up these 
modules, and it's not just a module, it's an entire, we have supplements modules all in one book, and I'm mostly talking about Dead Planet, we also have Pound of Flesh coming out soon. But you look at the map, and they enter the red quadrant, as opposed to the yellow area. Why is that important? Because then quickly, as the warden, you can flip to the pages that have the red color to them. So there's oh, okay. color coding, okay. so you can just instantly flip to it without having even read the page number. So, <laughs> so it's nice. really easy to go back and forth. So again, built and designed from the ground up to be a product uh -huh. worth having. And Sean McCoy is a genius when it comes to product development. Because even if you look at That's Not Lemonade, uh -huh. that's another example of how genius Sean McCoy is because every little component fits in it perfectly. He was really inspired by Oink Games and how Oink oh, Games okay. yeah, never yeah. wastes a bit of space in any of their games. So well, that's very, very cool. And he's applied that to role-playing games. Like, there's no space wasted. You get in, you oh. get it, and that's that elegance. I'm rambling. I could go on forever. <laughs> that's, that's I'm so fine. sorry. I'm so sorry, John, but that's you got fine. me going. So one of the things we do, one of the other things we do in our show is we get things that are uh, quick starts or things that are free to download RPG-wise. Nice. And uh, we have a group that we, we play them. We don't actually record the actual plays of it, but we record our... Um, our, our synopsis of it, like right after that, right. what we feel about what that. What did you think? What happened? Right, and so so that that's seems awesome. like something we will, we will, I'm sure I can convince uh, the group to <laughs> play group and to talk do, about. And talk about? Yes. Because um, we, we like to do that because that way it's like, well, if we, if we tell people about this, then they can go out and try it as well. Right. You know. And of course, then that goes, if it's, you know, if they really like it, then they could go out and buy the, get the full version yeah. of it and have yeah. all sorts, even more fun. Again, Mothership, totally available to you. We're okay. also on Discord. There's a really booming community on Discord yes, for Mothership. Yes, yes. Oh, Really okay. nice. Yeah, so if you go on Discord and just search Mothership, you'll find it right there. Then Orgador website, we'll have okay. links available to there. To our, anyway, right. I could keep talking about it all day long. <laughs> I think it's very experiential, and I think that's probably the last thing I'll say about our games, is because even that's not Lemonade, when you hear about it, it sounds so stupid, but once people play it, uh -huh. it's this light bulb moment that <laughs> clicks, and they think, ah! And that's why we do really well at the cons, is because once you play one of our games, you realize, oh, 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 and I think that applies also to Mothership, because it sounds amazing, but when you play it, you realize, this is genius. Well, very cool. Thank you so well, much. Well, well, thank you, thank you, Alan, for letting me talk with you here at uh, Tuesday Night Games yeah. at Origins 2019. Uh, as we're sitting here in front of a copy of Two Rooms in a Boom, I admit our first time trying to play Two Rooms in a Boom didn't go so well. Because, How dare you? Well, because we had like five people and they were insisting on playing it, and I'm reading, and I'm like, I don't know. It, it how requires well. six people. Well, it's like this. Well, it's like the bare minimum is six, and even then, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be fun, but not quite as fun as if if we had. Like, I would a agree. Lot more. more players, the better. Although we do have an expansion, Necroboomicon, that Two Rooms in <laughs> a Boom on hard mode. That okay. makes it so you can color share if you have fewer players, oh but you may gosh. not want to because it's HP Lovecraft theme. <laughs> right, right. And so there's that horror again. Yeah. Obviously, Sean and I are big horror fans, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Cool. So where, where can people find out more about uh, Tuesday Night Games? TuesdayNightGames.com. But okay. keep in mind, it's spelled with a K, although we own both domains. So if you go to Tuesday Night, spelled with just the N instead of the KN. Oh, that might be something a little different. Yeah, but it, it still takes you to our site. Oh, really? So Tuesday oh, really? Night Games <laughs> still takes you. So no matter how you spell it, it still takes you to our website. But yeah, Tuesday Night Games. That's very cool. <laughs> spelled with a K. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you so much, John. Woo. So hey, guys, I'm still here at Origins 2019, and I have a guest on that I'm excited to talk to. I have uh, Mark McKinnon with Discami. Oh, my gosh. Discami Games. 
publishing. Right? Discami publishing. publishing. That's right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> the joys of uh, coming into this live. <laughs> and, um, well, well, Mark, the reason I, I wanted to talk to you was because of a game that, that um, I'm a huge fan of that I've played for years and just recently found that you're coming out with a brand new edition of it, uh, Big Eyes, Small Mouth. So um, why don't you tell me some about the, because like I said, you've got a new edition coming out, right? Right, yeah, the fourth edition, uh, the okay. Big Eyes, Small Mouth, or Bessem, as we like to call it, uh, right, right, kind right. of what got me started in the industry back in 97 with the first edition. Okay. And then with a previous company that I had, we did several editions of that, and <laughs> then I stepped away from the industry for a bit, and it was an opportunity to... Uh, license it back from White Wolf Publishing, who we sold it to whenever we exited the company previously right. uh, back in 2005 six. And so coming back in the industry, my first gaming love has been role-playing and, and has been for a long time. And you know, to go back to the game that I started with was just an opportunity that's uh, we're looking forward to. And, and kind of taking where I think third edition was going to go if uh -huh. the company I had wasn't going out of business at the time. And so I never really had a chance to realize the vision that I thought a new Bessem would be. And so fourth edition's a chance to go back and revisit those plans, but also enhance it in a way that um, I just wasn't in the right headspace for Bessem third edition. I think we made some uh, a few mistakes on that one that they were vastly improved in uh, best on four okay i i am really excited to see what sort of changes actually are going to come about um from that you've picked up like you said from third edition that are going to go forth into this uh fourth edition. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it is to do with presentation and okay. the, the overall uh, structure of the book. People from first edition Bessem in 97 are going to recognize the similar elements. There's three stills, three stats. You okay. still have hit points. You're still rolling two six-sided dice, but there's a couple of variations we've had from there. Some of the things that we uh, introduced in Bessem third, like for example, going to a roll high instead of a roll low system, uh -huh. but also some new things that are exclusive to four, and we're looking at the entire line as opposed to just a single book, which is when we, we did third we knew that we wouldn't be around to, to do the entire line of it. But now I get to step back and, and take a more holistic look on the entire approach for the game. And so I'm really happy with how, what 4 is shaping up to be. I think over the next few years that we've planned it out, it's it's going to be spectacular. And it's going to give everyone a, a really a great universal system that you can kind of take what you want from it. If you want something that's closer to first edition Bessem, like really, really light mm -hmm. and kind of story driven, then we have that uh, for you. But if you want something a little more robust with some uh, additional rules, then we, we're going to have that as well. Okay, and I, I do remember in third edition there was um, there were there were little sidebars and such talking about how to optionally you can use certain things kind of a little bit lighter, like you were talking about. But you're right, it, it was it was never really um, it it didn't seem like it was super stressed. It was just more like a like here's here's just an optional thing you can do. Yeah, and a lot of the the times in the presentation of the game, and this is something I've always tried to, to bring in all the games that we've done, is to have these little designer notes or sidebars about things you can and cannot do, uh, and ways to to make it a little bit easier or more complex. But the problem is a lot of people treat when you when you publish something and publish a rule, they're going to say that is the rule. So by by structuring things a little bit differently, and there's not as many optional things in the core book that you need to make decisions on, mm -hmm. it's much more streamlined in this presentation and then we're taking some of those more robust elements or more simplistic elements and kind of pulling those out of the core book and putting them in their own books instead, which will allow people to, to customize their own experience for what they're looking for. Okay. Now one of the other things I've noticed uh, just from, from uh, 
following all the releases and information coming down on Facebook, uh, there seemed to be a stress that this is, because before it seemed like it was uh, always kind of marketed as the, the anime role-playing game, and it seems like this time it's is really stressed as the anime and, and uh, manga role-playing game, and that seems to have gotten a lot a lot of people excited about that. Yeah, about I that. mean, functionally, the game is, you can run superheroes with it, you can run cyberpunk. Right. I mean, it, it, anime and, and manga is more of the, the, the visuals that often people have in their in their mind, what they right, think right. about it. The reason why we always refer to it as the anime game is because, first of all, anime was kind of back in, in the, the, the 90s and the 2000s was more popular than manga, but it's also, it's just short. You say it's the anime role-playing right, game. Right. Everyone knows what you're talking about, but by now talking about anime and manga adventures, uh -huh. by doing that, Instead, there's a couple reasons why I want to do it now, but one thing in particular was some of the art that we have are very manga-style art, uh, oh, very okay. not the, the cell shading kind of st standard anime stuff that we right. that was kind of our main focus in previous editions. Mm -hmm. That is still a, a huge part of the game is, is sticking with that anime-style cell art. But mm -hmm. we have some artists that are doing some really nice, much more evocative, I think, uh, manga-style something that's not quite as as sharp edges, a little more on the the, the free-flowing. Side, okay. And it was a great opportunity to present it as it actually is, which is the anime and manga role-playing game. And by putting it that way, I'll still often refer to it as the anime role-playing game because it's easier. Right, but right, anime right. and manga is is really what we're kind of pushing for this time. Okay. I, I, I just found that because I'm kind of like you. I'm like, well, I, I get it. You, you can really kind of play it however you really want to. Um, but I just found it interesting how many more people were like, oh, thank God goodness you finally put the word manga on there yeah it, it was interesting and, and something we, we didn't expect it to be like that i thought it was the best the best presentation right. and talking about uh in particular downplaying the term role playing as well talking about anime and manga adventures i thought was uh maybe a little more accessible it's still clearly a role-playing game but right. the adventuring part is really the the, the thing we're going to be pushing as well okay that's that sounds really great um so the you you talked briefly about the art. Uh, I know with all the editions, um, like with my third edition book, uh, and my wife just likes looking through it because all the art in there is just is just amazing. And some of the the art that you've been um, that you got that you've been releasing for the little sneaks uh, sneak peeks of what's coming up in fourth edition looks amazing as well. Well, thank you. So, some so. some of it is is old uh, or reused art from previous editions. Whenever we license okay. it from White Wolf, we we license the text as well as the art. And and there's some fantastic art that that we've done over the. 70 products that we did for, for anime type stuff. Some of it were licensed, of course, we're not going to use that, but uh, there's some really, really great art that we want to make sure we use, but uh -huh. we need a new art as well, and, and the book is, is going to be in the 320 or so pages, okay. so okay. substantially robust, but we have over 100 pieces of art in the game. It's it's chock full of art, and a lot of two-page spreads. It is just gorgeous. So okay. we, have, we have new, we have old, we have familiar, uh, and we have things that we pulled from the D20 edition that we did as well, Oh, way yeah, back yeah. and some yeah. of that art that had not appeared uh, in previously and some something that might have been pulled from a particular source book that people hadn't seen before so it will be yes people that are that have followed Bessem and, and owned every one of the editions are going to recognize a lot of the art but there's also a lot of new stuff that we have and I'm really excited with the the visual presentation that we have of the game it's just gorgeous well you mentioned um, some of the source books uh, are there are there going to be some 
source books that, that we might expect to see with the fourth edition coming out later on? Yeah, I want to realize the entire line is what we have. So I've sketched out several years of what the line could be, but of course a lot of it is going to determine on on what the response is and what the, de the, the desire is, the okay. demand for it. Because it has been over you know, 13, 14 years since the last edition came out. And while I believe that there is a, a pent-up demand for uh, you know a great, robust yet light universal system, and you know Bessem has its fan base certainly, but at the same time, if it's more moderate, uh, we're going to not try to inundate the market with too much stuff if we're not getting a, a great response from it. If we get tremendous response, and, and the Kickstarter will certainly help us, you know, do some gauging on that, then what we'll end up doing is perhaps fast-tracking some of the stuff. But we are going to have a a line of what. I'd call more core type games that are going to be at the beginning. You know, think of it as your your player's handbook, your dungeon master guys, your your, your, right. your monster manual. It's not exactly like that, but those are kind of like the, the core structures, core stuff. something yeah. like that. So we're going to have core type of books, but then I'd like to expand it off into uh, genre source books, which are kind of wrapped into the, the multi-universe setting that we have, uh, that we present in the, the best and third, and we're going to continue uh -huh. that with four. So if we have a, a high fantasy style world, mm -hmm. by producing a, a world source book on that, while it is ostensibly a world book for that particular setting, what it gives as an example, it's really going to be the genre book for high fantasy, for example. And so you can take a lot okay. of the elements okay. of it, whether it's the, the magic or the spells or the types of characters, the bestiary or anything like that. And it's a way for us to represent the different genres by using a setting that we've set up and they are, therefore that provides the example and the context for that. So we think it's, it's okay. the best way rather than saying this is a, a cyberpunk source book. We'd rather have a cyberpunk world that is the source book for that and then shows you everything on, on how to handle that. So we have a number of different plans and I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be fantastic. If people are really interested in, in seeing this succeed, we'll see what happens when we launch the Kickstarter on July 2nd and I think that'll determine some of the direction for the future. Okay. And as you mentioned, and I think I mentioned earlier, uh, you do have a Kickstarter that's going to be coming out for this, and you said July second. So, um, is is there what what sort of stuff can we expect from this uh, Kickstarter? Sure. Well, we're going to be over the next couple of weeks until the the Kickstarter. We're still going to be releasing little uh, snippets of information of what we're doing, but it is going to be unlike uh, the presentation of almost, almost any other role playing game that we've seen in terms of the, the the core book structure. Think of it that there will be effectively a a third slash fourth edition of the game, uh -huh. but there's also a first edition of the game, which are completely compatible with each other, but one is uh, throws back to the very, very rules light aspect of the game when we first started back in 97 with it. Some people still want that, that game, they don't need as robust of a system. They're looking for something a little bit easier. Well, we're giving them that version of the core book. As well, there's going to be uh, you know, GM's guides, of course, uh, a GM screen, sorry about that, and uh, having an adventure. There's going to be okay. the uh, a book on some extra rules and structure, optional things, as well as expansion. So it's, it's a complete line. We're, obviously, with Kickstarters, we want to focus on the core book. That's what right, we want to right, give out. Right. But we're going to have some things that will launch with the core book, for example, like a character folio for people want to expand the oh. character sheets. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to have that. 
And then there's going to be things in the future that people can look forward to. And we got some really exciting things planned with PDFs of some of the earlier editions for people to, to get those without additional costs. Oh, wow. So we're going to be throwing in some of those, working with White Wolf to offer some of the older PDFs out there for people that, that back the, the Kickstarter campaign. So it's going, to be, it's going to be great. We're going to have deluxe edition. We're going to have regular edition. We're going to have a couple different variations of what you can do. We're trying to keep the complexity down, but we want to make sure that the options are there for what people want. Oh, that sounds great. I like that. Um, so about how long do you plan on running the Kickstarter for? It, it'll be about four weeks, approximately. We still have to look at the exact date we're going to end it, but uh, a month from when we start is roughly Gen Con, and so we're going to uh, end it okay. around the Gen Con time, a little bit before, a little bit after. We still have to kind of right, run right. the numbers on that just to make sure we're doing the right thing, right. but it'll be a, a roughly a month. Okay, that sounds excellent. Um, well, gosh, uh, so... What other, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, Besom and stuff. What else does uh, your company do? And, uh, and you guys are actually, you're actually partnered with with um, some interesting folks as well. Yeah, Japanime Games, as we just announced a few months ago that we're partnering with them, so they're going to be our publishing partner. And that gives us access to a larger market, better customer service. I mean, we're a very, very small company at Discami, and we're Canadian. So, so there are some cross-border challenges where it comes with warehousing and shipping, gotcha. as well as you know, we just can't attend as many conventions. So Japanime Games, fantastic company. That's a lot of ja Japanese anime-style games, and they're <laughs> giving great representation for us. So that's, that's a really good relationship for everyone benefits from this. The other thing that we're currently doing that had kind of preceded the Bessem was we published Sailor Moon tabletop games. So board games and party style games, so nothing you know heavy Euro. Right, uh, right. That's not really appropriate <laughs> for, the, for the Sailor Moon genre, but we have done, uh, so far the first game we came out with, Dice Challenge, which is a throwback to the Button Men game that, that uh, my, oh. my previous company did. Oh, so wow. okay. it's, it's kind of a relaunch <laughs> of Button Men, and we have the core game as well as an expansion for that. And then we also have coming out uh, this month Month, uh, is going to be, it was called Truth or Bluff, which is kind of a tile-passing bluffing game. Again, okay. party-style game. We have another game in the works and another one in front of Toei Animation for approval. Obviously, because it's a licensed product and we work with a Japanese company, the approval process right, takes right. a while. We don't want to talk too much about what exactly we're doing until we get approvals. I we did you. that for the first two games, and, and unfortunately, when we don't meet our own self-imposed uh, <laughs> deadlines, I think it's it's not good for the industry and for us to have that. So we do have other things in the works. We're definitely still focusing on Sailor Moon tabletop games. That's that's huge for us, and we want to make sure we do a great job with that. But Big Ice Mouth is, is a way for us to get back into role-playing and, and certainly excited about that. Yeah, and that's cool to see that you've, you, you're not just uh, focusing on just the one type of game also yeah i mean it is, role, is, role nice is, is yeah. different than what it used to be i mean right, certainly when right, we right. first started in 97 and then you know that was the the whole dungeons and dragons time with third edition right. and ogl <laughs> and and so that was is a very different time for role playing i mean obviously all the the world of darkness was really big back then mm -hmm. and so it's it's not the same as it was but at the same time things are also different in terms of what our expectations are we're, right. we're a smaller leaner company than we were previously uh focusing on making having an efficient and effective business model so that we you know I, I've been around with Guardians of Order and that company got into trouble and ended up going out of business and we're not going to make the same mistakes okay so with this uh, this uh, n much newer crowd of, uh, of, uh, of folks that are into anime now um, how are we going to see that sort of reflected in the new Besom yeah, then that's that's a great question because certainly role playing. When you look at the average age of role players, it's right. 
you know, if you ask them 10 years ago what the average age was and you ask age now, it's probably 10 years older right. than it was 10 years ago. Right. Uh, there, it's, there is, D&D is a, is a great gateway game, obviously, but mm -hmm. a lot of us role players are getting a little bit older, and so we need to draw in younger crowds, clearly, and anime is, is, has always been a great model for that. When we did the Sailor Moon role-playing game back in 98, that was an, an excellent gateway game for a lot of younger girls to get into role-playing. That they, yeah, okay. you know, D&D maybe didn't appeal to them, and Sailor Moon as role-playing was, was kind of very novel at the time. Right. And that's yeah. one of the reasons it got so much attention during that time. So we're hoping to be able to, to draw in some anime gamers who maybe aren't as familiar with, with the gaming side, but more on the anime. We're looking at doing something with uh, LARPing in the future for okay. uh, Big Eye Small Mouth, something we haven't touched in the past, but okay. I mean, I'd certainly it's a, it's a very uh, popular form with anime fans that, right. that who aren't even gamers, but they, they do, they go to conventions and they play in these live action games, even though they're not role players. They don't even know what role playing is, but they know how to LARP because that's right. what you do at conventions. And so we're, we're looking at kind of tapping into that market as well. So there's a lot of really exciting things that I think we're going to have. We're still going to appeal to the people that just want a, a great universal system and maybe they, they don't like anime, maybe they don't watch anime, maybe they want to do superheroes or they want to do something uh, cyberpunk or fantasy. Well, the system is great for that. You don't have, you can close your eyes and pretend it's not anime and the game system, uh, TriStat <laughs> system is very robust in handling that. But for if people that do want those anime manga stylings, we're going to have uh, that as being obviously an integral part of the, the visual presentation of the game uh -huh. and, and some of the, the core game mechanical aspects as well. But it's I think it's a great opportunity to have of a system like Bessem and TriStack come back for the fans. It was, it was a, a good game 12, 15 years ago, and it's, it's going to be a great game in 2019. Yeah, and it seems like with the, with the way certain games are, well, with the way a lot of RPGs are going now, a lot of, a lot of games are going back to a more, a more simpler game mechanic approach and such. And... Um, so it, it seems like a, a really good time to bring to bring back something like Besom. Yes. Because the, the Tristat system is just works really really well and really neat. Well, thanks. Um, and yeah. I like the I like the fact that um, you can really make the game as comp, you know as when you're running the game or playing the game if you, you can make the game as complicated as you want it to be or as simple. As you as you need it, depending on what you're trying to run. Yeah, and then that was one of the, the core tenets of that is coming up with something that you can get out of Bessem whatever you want from it. Uh -huh. You want something that's more robust and more uh, numbers and crunchy, then that is part of Bessem. But also, if you want something much more free flowing, uh, we're going to provide that. If you want diceless Bessem, we're going to have that option, and oh, wow. it's something that that certainly. <laughs> moving towards more storytelling is I think the overall the RPG industry is moving away from the, the right. heavy spreadsheet oriented role playing right. and more into the free form that's right. not to say that those aren't games aren't going to go away that people are still doing war games and, and that right. predated yeah, exactly. role playing so it's exactly. always going to be there for people that want it but certainly I, I agree that the industry is moving in a little bit more uh, larger strokes rather than minute details and that's yes. fortunately that was always where, where I'd like to position Bessem and I think that gives us a great position uh, when it comes to fourth edition oh excellent um, gosh so I guess at this point uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about Bessem uh, what you've it sounds like what, where you're planning on going with this is, is exciting and it's going to be really neat to see how this shapes up I'm looking forward to the Kickstarter in uh, July myself because I, I know I'm going to be 
back it. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and I'm hoping uh, all of our listeners uh, back it. So, so now I got to know, uh, what what is your uh, <laughs> now the tough question? So, what do you think your favorite anime is? Um, you know, I love Sailor Moon. Certainly, it's always been a fan favorite. But uh, <laughs> Ranma One Half, that is oh, what cool. started Big Eye Small Mouth. Was I had a friend over from Europe, okay. uh, from the UK, and he came over for a visit. He was doing a tour, and he found the Ranma box set of the the first season on, on VHS. <laughs> and he couldn't get it uh, in where he was from, so he bought it. And then he was continuing the tour, and he said, well, "Can you just hold this at your house while I just go on the train?" <laughs> and I said, "Sure." He said, "And you can watch it if you want to." I was like, oh, okay. So this was back in 95, 96. And then I started watching it. And, you know, I grew up with <laughs> Astro Boy and Battle of the Planet. So okay, you know, okay. I, I knew anime, but it was very different. And watching Ranma just opened my eyes to something. It made me realize how much I loved it. And then I just voraciously consumed anime after that. Watched that that first season of Ranma. And I watched as much as I could. And that's kind of in the end inspired doing the role-playing game from it. But Run Moon Half, I just rewatched the series with my, my two sons, and yeah, it's, it's really good. I love that. So that's always been my favorite. I don't know if it'll ever top it. There's some really great anime coming out now. I love uh-huh. Sailor Moon Crystal, and I love uh, some of the new ones that are out. Obviously, Evangelion's great, and, and Attack on Titan's great. But there's something about Run Moon Half, romantic comedies, and, and you know whether it's the, the John Hughes you know, live-action films from the 80s or Run Moon Half, they're always going to be my favorite. Well, well excellent. Um... Well, Mark, I, I want to thank you for taking time out of your, your busy schedule, I'm sure, here at, uh, at Origins 2019 to sit down and talk with, with me. No, my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity, that. and yeah. uh, you know, thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so where, where can folks uh, find out about about you, uh, your company, and Japan Anime Games, and your Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. So following us on socials is always a great way. So Discami Publishing. So Discami is D-Y-S-K-A-M-I. Mm-hmm. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Discami, there's not a lot of other companies out there <laughs> with the word Discami in the title. So following any of the, the links on the socials, whatever your, your social choice would be, would be the, the best way to, to kind of keep okay. up on it. You can sign up for our newsletter web uh, email newsletter. Uh, Newsletter that we have on our website as well. You can certainly do that at discami.ca if you're interested in getting something delivered to your inbox. Otherwise, just just keep an eye on our accounts and yeah, follow along. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. Well, everybody, the show's finally over. That's it. You can go back to your normal life again, though it's probably never going to be the same. You can find the Swarmcast podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you think. Heck, give us a good review on either iTunes and Tuned In, Stitcher. Heck, I think we're putting stuff out on YouTube now, if that's kind of your thing. Anyway, subscribe, like, whatever, all through those different guys. Or you can grab the RSS feed from our website, which is Swarmcast podcast.com that's all one word and you can also email us at swarmcastpodcast again one word at gmail.com why not or you can leave us a message at area code 803-470-4439 and we'll probably play it on the air if you're lucky maybe (laughs) so until next time keep on gaming and when you think of toast think of me <laughs> music on the swarmcast podcast is by i fight dragons at ifightdragons.com
and the droids at droidsmusic.bandcamp.com. Thank you guys so much. We have been out by dragons. And this song is called The Geeks Will Inherit the Earth. Tell you that you're different So you run